0: Now, this is the first Sunday of Christmas. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, Christmas and the New Jerusalem. Christmas and the New Jerusalem. Now, will you remember that there's, there are a number of things that Christmas and the New Jerusalem have in common? If you'll turn your Bible to Revelation 21, the scripture that Brother Eric so importantly read a little while ago, John has had a number of visions in the book of Revelation. Remember that he was on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the word exiled there? He saw the vision of the glorified Christ. Then he saw the church age, which to this date has lasted for 2,000 years. Then he saw beyond that, beginning in chapter 4, he heard a voice saying, Come up hither and I'll show you the things that are yet to come. And all of those things from chapter 4 through chapter 22 are yet future. And in that scene, he saw scenes set in heaven. Saw the throne of God. He saw the golden candlesticks and he heard the voice of Jesus. And then he saw on the earth the nations gathered around Jerusalem to battle. And then in chapter 19 of Revelation, he saw... Heaven opened, and the king of kings came riding on a white horse, and all the armies of heaven following him. And he put to death, or an end, the battle of Armageddon, and he established his millennial kingdom. Now, at the end of chapter 20, we see the great white throne judgment. We spoke of that the other night. Then in chapter 21, heaven begins. Now, in the book of Second Peter, we read about the heavens and the earth burning up. Some have assumed that meant they were purged. Others understand that to mean there is a new heaven and a new earth. Former things are passed away, just as the scripture said. Whichever it be, John said, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And in that new Jerusalem, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. And God himself wipes all the tears away. Behold, I make all things new. That's the new Jerusalem. Last Sunday night, we spoke about where is heaven and about what is heaven. Maybe two Sunday nights ago, We're going to discuss this again at another service later on this month. But today I want you to notice the difference between Christmas and the New Jerusalem and the likeness between the two. Now when you think of Christmas, you think of the holly and the ivy, the Christmas trees, all the preparation, all the decorations, all that goes into Christmas to make it beautiful. The Bible says a lot about Christmas. It never mentions the word because Christmas is a word that early Christians gave to that time of the year when we remember the birth of Christ and the narratives relating to the birth of Christ. But in that hurry and scurry of preparing for Christmas, so many times the real Christ has been omitted. And so Christmas has in it a connotation that is similar to the New Jerusalem. That is, things are different. Almost everybody looks forward to December. Some with headaches and perspiration and sweat. And they think, when is this ever going to pass away? Going shopping with all the millions of people at the mall. And all the traffic problems going down the road and so on. Others say, we can hardly wait for Christmas. Because Christmas... Is a little different from the rest of the year Christmas is a time when we speak well to each other now there's an old song that says better act right you better not cry he's coming to town and he's making a list and he's gonna find out who's naughty and nice and so everybody in November and December straightens up and flies right for a little while because they want to be sure that we get the right gifts, gifts at Christmas. So Christmas is a time so a little different from the rest of the year. When we think of the new Jerusalem, it's a little different from the rest of life. Here in life, we go through pain and sorrow and heartache and tears and hurt and death. Or in the New Jerusalem, there's nothing like that at all. All Now, at Christmas time, we think of all the lights. Whether the merchants mean it or not, every light that's lighted on these highways and these roads and all downtown and uh, out in the mall and so on, all those lights, and I like them. Don't complain about the lights. Every light is a symbol of Jesus, the light of the world. They may not know it. You go to nations that don't have Christmas, and there's darkness. They don't have light. We have light at Christmas because Jesus is the light of the world. And when we get to the new Jerusalem, we're not going to have Christmas tree lights like we have now. We won't even have chandeliers. Why? Because Jesus himself is the light of that city. And there's no darkness. And there's no night Forever and forever and forever, it's eternal light. And so we contrast the two, some are similar, some are dissimilar. We think of Christmas as a time of giving. Sometimes that's a pain. You make a list of all these people you're supposed to give gifts to. You begin with your own family, and then you say, well, I can't leave Aunt Mary Mary out or Uncle Phoebe, and I have to give gifts to all them. After a while, you give up in despair and say, I'm not going to give any gifts to anybody. And then you don't keep that resolution because you keep on working and trying and so on. And so you give gifts. Where would that come from? <clears throat> I heard a lady on, the, on a talk show the other day say that... Uh, Giving gifts at Christmas has nothing to do with Christmas. Well, she missed the whole point. You know why we give gifts at Christmas? Because God so loved that he gave. He's the one that taught us to give. The reason your mother and daddy give you gifts at Christmas is because God gave his son. The reason you give gifts to mom and dad and aunt and uncle and all the others is because God gave his son. You may not be conscious of that. I'm sure the ungodly world, those that give their pints of whiskey and their liquor and all those kind of things that hurt people, their packs of cigarettes and all that, they give those as gifts. They don't understand why they're giving gifts. They just think, well, it's a custom, everybody does it. You know where that custom came from? It came from heaven. It came from God. God so loved the world that he gave the best he had, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now there's another thing about Christmas that I want you to notice. There's a brief message this morning. Almost everybody in America can enjoy Christmas. There are some old Scrooges that don't care a thing about Christmas, humbug. That's what they say. Uh, They try to eke the very last drop of energy out of their employees, just like old Scrooge did. And there are some people whose attitude is just tragic. I hope nobody that I'm speaking to feels like that. But there are some people that don't really like Christmas, however, Almost everybody enjoys Christmas, even a people that don't like it. When you think of Dickens' Christmas Carol and old Ebenezer Scrooge and how wicked and mean and uh, what a tin flint he was and Penny pincher. that night he went home and the ghost of Marley, his former associate, came to haunt him. And all through the night he had a series of apparitions. And when morning came, his whole attitude was changed and he opened the window and said hey boy what day is this it's Christmas Day Merry Christmas and he sent some money down to buy Bob Cratchit a big turkey see his attitude was changed everybody can enjoy Christmas but that's where the big difference comes between Christmas and the New Jerusalem everybody isn't going to enjoy, enjoy the New Jerusalem you say what do you mean by that well I want you to look at Revelation 21 Beginning in verse (laughs) 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Last Wednesday night in the Bible study, we looked at who is he that overcomes... There are seven promises in chapters 2 and 3 to those that that overcome. And then we turn to 1 John chapter 5. We find that the one who overcomes is the one who has been born again. The one whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is overcome. And when you put your faith in him, you get on the train that overcomes all the snow and all the trestles and all the pain and all the anxieties and all the worries. And it takes you on to heaven. I will in no wise cast you out, Jesus said. When you put your faith in Christ, you may go through some tunnels. You may go over some trestles. You may have some times of despair. You may have some times when your family doesn't treat you right or somebody else doesn't treat them right. And you get all upset and all nervous and all fatigued. But listen, if your faith is in Christ, remember, He'll be with you all the way. He'll take care of you. There's some to whom I speak this morning who were abused as children. What are you going to do about it? The rest of your life, hate them? I'm going to get even with them? I'm going to go to a judge and report them? Or are you going to give that to the Lord? Brother Lloyd sometimes leads us in the song, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And friend, If your faith is in Christ, you're an overcomer. You may not have accepted all that overcoming power, but it's there anyway. It's yours for the taking, asking, receiving. But the next verse reminds us that some are not going to be in the New Jerusalem. It may be some to whom I speak this morning. Listen to this. But the fearful and unbelieving... And abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I don't claim to understand all that means. Our minds cannot understand an eternal hell. That's the reason some believe, well, Maybe there's annihilation. When you come to the end of the road and you're not saved, maybe you just get annihilated. A whole group of, of groups that call themselves Christian groups teach that. I'm just simple enough to believe what the Bible says. Years and years ago, after I'd endured Bible in a liberal Bible class, I got along with God and I said, Lord, I'm going to commit myself to preach what the Word of God says. If I'm wrong, you straighten me out when I get home. But I'm going to tell the people you give me the privilege of preaching to what the Bible says. And I want to tell you this morning, those in this auditorium and those who listen by radio, the Bible says the unbelieving, the fearful, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars, shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone. That's the second death. You will not be in the New Jerusalem. You'll suffer pain forever. You'll suffer death forever. You'll suffer all the anxieties that you have here quadrupled thousands of times forever. But you don't have to. There's an open heaven today. With Jesus up there and the Holy Spirit here, there's a heaven beckoning you. Somebody wrote, this world is not my home just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Are Are you so much at home that you've lost your longing for heaven, for the new Jerusalem? Or is it possible that you're here within the sound of my voice today and you've never put your faith in Christ? You don't know Him as your Savior. You're classed with the unbelieving. You see, all of these, it doesn't mean you have to be guilty of all these things, but any of them, the fearful. Why are people afraid? Because they don't have a Savior. The unbelieving, those who have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. The abominable, those who practice abominable things as a life practice because they don't know Christ and all liars that is their characteristic manner of life is lying they're going to have their part in the lake of fire but listen when jesus comes in he cleanses all that the bible says in 1st corinthians such were some of you but you've been washed you've been cleansed you've been changed you don't have to go on living like that because you're a citizen of heaven yes you're a citizen of Kentucky You're a citizen of America. Thank God for America. But your real citizenship is heaven. If you're saved. If you're trusting Jesus as your Savior. So I want to ask you in closing this morning. Do you know for sure you're saved? Do you know for sure that the new Jerusalem is your destination? You're on your way home. I'm on my way to Emmanuel's land. Come we that love the Lord and thus surround the throne. Join in a song of sweet accord and thus surround the throne. We're marching to Zion. Are you really marching to Zion? or Are you marching to hell? Which is it? Where are you on your way to? Not everybody's going to heaven. Everybody can enjoy Christmas unless you're an old Scrooge. But everybody's not going to enjoy heaven unless you put your faith and trust in Christ. Would you today do that? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus died on an old rugged cross, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We pray that just now somebody will turn from self and sin and turn to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. What's our song? 154, Jesus is tenderly calling. Now listen to this, after you find it, listen to me just a minute. 154, a while ago, Ms. Vaught sang, there is a reason for every trial. If you're lost, you may never know that reason. You'll go through life wondering, and then all through eternity, maybe God will show it to you in hell, I don't know. But if you're on your way to heaven, God will reveal the reasons for the pain, the cancer, the deaths, the hurts, the family problems. God will show you the reason. So by now, today, we have to accept that by faith. And Jesus is calling you to a life of faith. Brother Lloyd sang, And when my eyes behold that city, are my Savior. Then we'll know all the answers. Friend, I have a burden for you this morning. There's someone within the sound of my voice, either here or by radio, who is on your way to a life of disaster and tragedy. Wasted life. We just have one life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Would you put your trust in Jesus and get on that train that's going toward heaven? And he said, I'll take care of you all the way. Will you do it? While we sing, while we pray, will you come?